It is the 200 level episode 85. My carpenter from the basement about to welcome on old friend Lante, which this is a sorely needed conversation, not just for me, but maybe uh, for some of you out there that might need a little bit of a pick-me-up. There are a few people that I can think of that are better at just exuding positivity than Lon. And what I'm going to have to ask him, because he is the most social guy that I know, and that is not hyperbole, how he's dealing with all this. But I can almost guarantee you, before we even start, that he might say, yeah, it kind of sucks, but he's always going to find some sort of positive spin on it. So it is a much-needed conversation that we'll have coming up with our old friend Lante. We'll get him on in just a bit. Before we get started with that, got to remind you that the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. And here's the great thing. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So you want to stay at home, you want to stay safe, they will bring the calzone to you. Custom zones with any topping you want. Some of their favorites, my personal favorite, the Maui Wowie. Yes, I like pineapple in my calzone and sometimes on my pizza. I'm crazy like that. dpdo.com. Also, Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. Here's the deal. You buy two t-shirts, you get one free. And on top of that, there is coupon code 200 level or the 200 level to get 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. Also, Brian Hansen, your state farm agent online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, renters, business, anything, you name it, they can help you out. And not only are they insurance experts, but they're also local people that have been born and raised in Champaign-Urbana. So they have your local interest at heart in addition to their insurance expertise. That's brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partner in the relaunch of the 200 level. As we get started with this, a little bit of a prologue before we get Lon on the horn here as we try to figure out the Zoom situation. This week in particular has been one where I think we're feeling the fatigue of having to stay at home. And I know that I am to an extent. Fortunately, the weather is gradually getting a little bit better, if not a little bit unseasonably cool, but it's getting there. And to me, that's a big equalizer if I can be outside and do things. But the idea of not knowing when we're getting out of this, I find that to be my biggest struggle. And I'm someone that loves to plan things. So it could be concerts, it could be a trip, having things to look forward to. And because we don't know when we can do those things again, and skip concerts, I'm talking about just a weekend trip somewhere. It could be a secluded cabin. I don't know. That there is such uncertainty surrounding that that it, you know it's inevitable to feel a little bit suffocated or trapped in your own home. Now, I'm fortunate in the position that I am with the dog and with the wife that we get a nice little unit here and we are getting along as well as you could in this situation. But we both, I mean, Karen and I have talked about this, we want to go somewhere and do something as soon as we're able. But then the question, of course, is when? Now, there are certain things that can kind of bring normalcy. For example, last night, Dave Matthews Band, who just a couple days ago announced that they, like most other artists, are just postponing their tour till 2021. Okay, that's fine. I get it. That's the safe thing to do. And what they're doing every Wednesday night is playing old concerts. They're streaming it on YouTube, and then those concerts will stay up there forever, apparently. And last night, they had one that I was actually at last year. And watching that, it was this weird, bittersweet kind of feeling of, oh, man, that was so much fun, and it was great to be there. And damn it, I don't know when I'm going to be able to go back to that. I always try to find that silver lining, and in this case, it would be, yes, next summer, dollars to donuts, we're going to be right back there at Deer Creek, and it's going to be so cathartic when we get back to those normal activities. And for me, and for a lot of you out there, if it's not a concert you're going to, it's a sporting event. Now, with baseball, in their proposal, which I guess is coming out next Monday, of a July 1st start date, spring training in June, teams playing at home, and three geographical divisions, 
I cannot help but get excited about that. I need to be excited about that, even though I know that that could easily have the rug pulling out from underneath it. And, oh, no, we actually can't pull this off. That would suck, right? But for the time being, I need to maintain that thread of, yes, this will happen. Yes, it's going to happen. And I cannot wait the possibility of just being able to turn on a baseball game in mid-July, even if there are no fans in the stands. Watch a Yankees game? I'd probably watch every Yankees game at this point, just because that would be one more hook back into the reality that we knew as sports fans before this all broke out. Now, there is the uncertainty, of course, about Major League Baseball, the NFL. Will they be able to get games going, even though they got a three-hour uh, special tonight on ESPN about their schedule, which I guess you need to do things like that when you're kind of short on live content. But for me, those are the sorts of things that I'm kind of leaning on in order to get equalized and not feel so crappy about everything. All right, so as I said in the preamble here, in this week of all weeks where I've sort of been you know, grasping with the reality of the situation. I needed a guy like Lon Tay to come on and, and bring some positivity to the, the proceedings. Lon, uh, where to be, here's where I want to begin. Because I think in our lives, and we would talk about this on the air and off the air, uh, memories. And for me, March 11th, Wednesday, March 11th, will be a day that will forever live in infamy. Now, I want to take you back to that, okay? That evening, 7 o'clock, I go into a band practice. 9 o'clock, I come out, and in the span of two hours, Tom Hanks had coronavirus. Rudy Gobert tested positive, and the NBA suspended their season. I don't know about you, but that, to me, was a night that I will always remember, but even then could not have predicted, what, basically two months later, this is the situation we'd be in. I I don't think anybody could predict that, right? I mean, it's crazy. And I'll tell you, Mike, what what was really strange. Kara... Uh, my Kara, not yours. Um, her birthday is March 9th and she works for uh, Marriott, you know, Gaylord Rockies. Yeah. And we were in a movie in Savoy. And in that movie, I won't disclose what she lost in terms of sales, but in that movie, she lost two big sales. And, um, you know, her phone just kept going off and I'd look over at her and she'd give me this look like unbelievable. So, while I'm with you, while it all kind of hit, hit us all mostly at the same time, because of her, I kind of understood the severity of it, maybe even a couple of days before anybody else, uh, not anybody else, but you know what I mean, in the sense that her, um, her profession, the hospitality profession, was absolutely crumbling. Yeah. And it didn't take but about a week for all of it to crumble for them. You know, they ended up, you know, they've had to close their hotel. It's a brand new hotel, like a year and a half old. Um, I mean, they're losing, you know, deals in the millions. Right. And it's just like, I remember, I remember thinking, okay, well, wow. you know, the severity of that, but, but quite honestly, I just didn't in little Champaign, Illinois in our area, I just didn't think that it would become that big of a problem like it has. And, Certainly it has. It's shut everything down and it's just a weird thing. And what's so bizarre about that, and I remember the weekend before, so Saturday, March 7th, I think that's correct, Mm -hmm. Karen and I went to that new arcade bar that Justin Taylor opened up, the one with, and they got every single gaming, it's the coolest place and I can't wait to go back there, but we went there. But I remember grabbing this little mini airplane bottle of sanitizer for a couple reasons. One, you're playing joysticks and controllers that everyone else's. But for another, there was that looming cloud. And we then went to Esquire, then we picked up some barbecue. And I remember there was this weird sense of maybe we should be enjoying tonight because, you know. And the very next day, my dad and I go to the Illinois-Iowa game. 
and I somehow am able to completely block it out. But I, I got to be honest, there was this lingering kind of uh, suspicion that, okay, if this blew up, we wouldn't have this. We wouldn't be able to go out. Um, and, and to me, that's what's so surreal about it to think that almost two months ago to the day, I was with 16,000 other Illini fans in one of the best right. environments that I've ever been in at the State Farm Center. And for the last few months, everything's just been quiet. Everything. Not just sports, but everything. <laughs> it, it is weird, Mike. And and it's certainly not something that any of us could have predicted, you know, with bars shutting down, restaurants shutting down. I am I have a unique perspective a little bit on this. And I think, you know, I thank the good Lord for it um, every night. But both of my jobs were deemed essential, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, one being the media and the other being the insurance. And so since this began, I have been able to basically continue a normal life for 80% of it. In other words, I'm still going to the office. Um, We are practicing social distancing there as well. in, In terms of in my Villa Grove office, I usually work Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Betsy's in there Tuesday and Thursday, like today. And then in our Tuscola office, we usually have one or two people uh, in there at a time. But the weird part is, in a business where you want to be social and you want to see people, we have the door locked and nobody can come in. And Mike, we have, you know, older clients that they don't pay online and, (laughs) you know, they still use a stamp. And for most of them, they just bring their payment up because they want to say hi, which I love. They want to say, hi, give them your pay. You know, they give us their payment. We mail it to the company, but now we can't do that. And, you know, more than probably 10 times they have called me and said, can you meet me outside so I can drop off a payment? But then on the flip side, then every day I've been able to do the radio show. And um, while challenging, at least I'm able to do that. So essentially, Mike, not much has changed for me except for I don't see Kara. Um, I barely see her. I've seen her one time since wow. March 9th, and that was last Saturday. I went over, and, and uh, she's taking it very serious, and I completely understand that. Yeah, yeah. And I went over to her house, and we sat on the deck 20 feet away from each other, and I had a couple cold beers, and we visited. And that I mean, that is a major thing, obviously, that I haven't been able to see her. But besides that and drinking a beer with my buddies at the bar, everything to me is almost – about the same and then oh by the way there's no sports on tv yeah it's like, right what the hell well so <laughs> not good <laughs> for me it feels like an extended summer vacation and we're doing right you know we're doing e-learning and i'd say about half the kids do it regularly and i get it because even if there's access issues, but there's also the fact that some of these kids just going off the numbers, their parents are maybe they lost a job or they're dealing with financial issues. And at, at that point, schooling, frankly, takes a back seat. So in this whole thing, fortunately, the weather has been decent, not great, but good enough where I can go and run and I can do yard Amen. works. And and it is oddly familiar now where you mentioned how your life has gone on. Mine has gone on minus the in-classroom stuff. And I'll be on a run, and then often during that run, I will have forgotten that, oh, right, this is what the context is. So to me, uh, I said this right before we came on, I love looking forward to things, events, concerts, yes. sporting events. That, to me, the the indefinite timeline, that's where if I start thinking about that, I start getting a little bit down about it. I've thought of you so many times, Carp, with concerts. 
because, you know, knowing you and you being such a good friend of mine that concerts, you know, that is your outlet, man. That is your entertainment. I know you love sports and especially Illinois sports and Yankees baseball and bears, et cetera. But concerts, I think, you know, like, well, you always said it best, you know, I can, I can go into a sporting event and there's a 50, 50 chance. I'm going to leave unhappy. Right. I go into a concert and it's pretty much a hundred percent. I'm going to enjoy it. And I've thought of you. Um, and honestly, because of you, I've started to really pick up my pace to a degree, never close to yours, but to a degree, I picked up my pace of going to concerts mm-hmm. and, this year alone, I had three different tickets to see Kenny Chesney, That's which right, is a yeah. little overkill. But no, uh, no you're talking to your someone, Matthews, man. Yeah, you're fine. Three <laughs> concerts. That's... But you know, yeah. And now I think to myself, are we going to be able to do that? You know, Chesney just released a new album, and uh, and I'm wanting to see him so bad. We've got tickets down to Bush Stadium. We've got tickets in Noblesville, and then I had tickets down in Nashville, and yet now I. I don't know. I don't know if we'll be able to see him. And man, more than anything, we need that outlet, mm. right? I mean, more than any time in your life, do you, how much, you know, you've always enjoyed going to concerts and you've wanted to go to concerts, but it's more or less just a, a thrill because you can. Now you can't. And, yeah. you know, when you take something away that you can't have, it makes you want it so much more. And right now, I would give. I don't, I don't have a lot of money, but I'd give a lot of money right now to go sit outside and listen to a Chesney concert. Oh, I know. And almost as almost as much, and I'll, I'll get shamed for this, almost as much as going to a Cardinals baseball game. Just, just either one would be perfect. Being outside, nice weather, drinking a beer, and being entertained without having to think about stress. Yeah. And that's exactly what we have right now for a lot of people, especially ones that don't have a job is not only do you not have a job, but you have ample time to sit and stress about it. And, and it's, it's a concern. It's a concern of mine that, that our country, not only economically is going to suffer, I think mentally a lot Um, of people are going to suffer from this, you know, and and it's a, it's a worry that, that scares me going forward for us. Yeah, absolutely. The mental component doesn't get talked about a lot, but you know, I think even for myself, you know, as a teacher, don't need to worry about job security. Care, fortunately, works for the U of I, which right now they're doing okay. Uh, but yes. again, we'll see going forward. So there's always going to be that uncertainty. But, you know, the mental component, and you mentioned the concerts and the sporting events. To me, I look at whenever I go to a concert again, and they've all gotten postponed to 2021. And I know it's 13 months away, but I'm still looking forward to 13 months from now. I, I have to. And how cathartic that is going to be. Uh, and you mentioned like sitting in a Cardinals baseball game. And that might not be cathartic so much as it would probably be I mean, you'd have a, a, a shit-eating grin on for the entire three and a half hours and it, knowing that I'm sitting outside in this ballpark and I'm not afraid of catching anything from the people next to me. And yeah, that's what I find myself doing is holding on to those things. But more, more than any of that, I'm holding on to, okay, hopefully maybe in the next three weeks, I'll be able to go on my parents' patio and take a cooler over there and just hang out for a bit. I want to start with that. And if I can get to that point, then the rest will come, I feel like. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, you know, humans, I think by nature, we want to be around people, right? I'll I mean, have we, to. Don't, we don't want to be lonely. And I always feel bad. And I, I even, you know, I've heard stories about, you know, nursing homes right now that people can't come in and see people in nursing homes. And I can't imagine how lonely that would be. And, you know, um, it, it is. And not only just, 
the loneliness car of, or the idea that you want to be around people, but the touch shaking, a, shaking somebody's hand, holding Kara's hand. I mean, just things like that, that as humans, we miss, you know, you miss that touch and it's, it's weird, you know, it, it's really weird. And, you know, on top of that is the economic, like we talked about the economic point that uh, I won't mention names, but maybe a month before all this started, I just insured a bar for a buddy who just opened a bar. They were all excited about it. They, you know, redid it. They repainted it. They opened it. They had a wonderful first month and all of a sudden they're shut down with hardly any money. I mean, there's zero money coming into them. And it's that economic point where that I see in my job where it's like, Oh my gosh, you know, I, I can't imagine the stress that they're feeling right now because here they just bought this huge bar and nobody can go in. Right. And, 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 and there's no money coming in right now. And, and that to me is scary because there's nothing I can do about it. Like I would gladly go to this bar this Saturday and drop 50 bucks drinking beer, but I can't legally, I cannot do that. And it just stinks. And I hate it for that. So I know I'm jumping around as always, but, you know, you're right about there's the there's the mental part. There's the human side of it, of wanting to, you know, just be with people, be around friends, you know, tailgates. Can you imagine oh, us not being able to tailgate? Well, I mean, and that's probably going to be the reality unless it's a sort of like covert tailgate. And I'm, I'm thinking if the games happen, you know, if they happen, yes. I live close enough to the stadium where I'll set up shop in the porch and make it whatever. You know, even though we can get to Illinois football later, that's a whole other conversation. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, to that point, well, my dad, for example, we would go to Huber's every Saturday. And fortunately, yes. he knows. And I don't know if he had sent it. And I hate to kind of call him out on this. He wouldn't probably want me to. But he just he's just sent them some money. He's like, I would have been there. Here you go. That's cool. <laughs> and I'm like, I should probably you know, do that too. That's a great idea, Carp. I, honestly, I haven't even thought about doing something like that. And it's not a bad idea because, you know, with restaurants especially, you can help them by carry out. Um, you can still support your local restaurant and, you know, places that uh, offer food. I'm sure that they're not quite up to where they were. Sure. But at least at least there's some money coming in, whereas the payroll is down. And so maybe they're making men's uh, ends meet a little bit. But, you know, a place like Huber's, uh, a place like this bar just insured. That's not a bad idea because, hell, like you said, I, I'd spend 50 bucks there Saturday. <laughs> so why not just send him a check for 50 and say, yeah. hey, I'm saving I'm saving myself a headache. Uh, here's 50 bucks. You know, I hope it helps pay the water bill this month. That's a great idea. Now that you said that, so I'm do that. So to lighten things up a little bit, let's talk about your health scare. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> so this, because we haven't probably had, I mean, we texted back and forth when this was going on and didn't really have a in-depth conversation about it. But what you said for anyone that might've missed it on the air, um, I mean, that had an impact on people. And I know that, you yeah. know, you, as, as much personality as you have, I know that you're still ultimately a very humble person. So when you get messages like that, you're probably like, you're grateful, but maybe a little bit uncomfortable. Like, Oh, well, thanks. But you know, I don't, you know, there's no doubt. So let's go back to, for for the four one one for people that maybe didn't listen to the show when this was going on, I remember getting the text. But when when did this all happen? Uh, what were the signs? And uh, just kind of take us through the what happened essentially. 
Yeah, I'm happy to tell the story and I appreciate your platform because I do, I've said this a hundred times, if it can affect one person and save one person, then that would be the key. Um, Kara has a friend whose husband passed away at the age, I think of 50 years old. He was a runner. I mean, Carp, he was similar to you. I, I didn't know him. I'd never seen him, but from stories I've heard, he was similar to you. He ran all the time. He was in shape. Um, which is exactly what you are. And here he drops dead of a heart attack. And so his uh, widow had asked the doctor afterwards, you know, what were some things that we could have maybe done? And the doctor mentioned a few things, but one of the things he said was doing a heart scan to check for calcium score, which essentially is plaque buildup in your arteries around your heart. So um, this widow proceeded then to be bullish and tell as many friends as she knew about this. So Kara, my girlfriend, of course, who you know, um, was very for going to get this calcium score done. And she's very persuasive <laughs> and insisted that I do it as well. And Carp, I probably for 10 years, eight to 10 years have been on blood pressure and cholesterol medicine. Okay. I am a guy that has a family history of, of both. I drink too much beer. I don't eat healthy. I've always exercised for the most part. You know, we always used to joke on the show how fat I was, but technically I'm probably not. And, um, you know, while I've let myself go here these last couple of years, for the most part, I always <laughs> pretty much stayed healthy and, and worked out, et cetera, and was pretty yes. active at golf. I remember the softball. tennis, you'd go to the Atkins Center yeah. and all that on Fridays, yeah. Exactly. So I said, yeah, let's do it. You know, let's go do this. So Kara found OSF in Bloomington. I have health insurance, but you don't even need it. And it's $99 to go do the test. So we went over there one day and uh, just took a day off, went over, uh, did the scan, which once you got into the room, it literally took five minutes to do. Um, You don't even have to take your shirt off. They put things, you know, around your heart. Hmm. You go into like a, uh, what do they call that? Into a, like a MRI tube kind of thing. Yeah, that's it. Thank you. And you go in and, and you, you lay there for a minute and they tell you to relax. And then all of a sudden you'll hear a thing, you know, it'll say, don't breathe. So you hold your breath and it takes pictures. So the, the long story short is once we got that done, Karen and I were actually getting ready to travel to Grand Cayman for a week to, uh, to vacation. So the lady said, well, we're not going to be able to get the results to you for a week. And I was like, thank God. You know, and I said this in my thing, I'm like, I don't want to be worried sitting right. on a beach in Grand Cayman that I'm going to uh, pass away of a heart attack. So we got back and, and got to her house the first night and she had in the mail, she had her results and she had a total calcium score of seven, which is good, really good. Mm-hmm. And so I get back to Philo the next day and I opened up mine and it was over 2000. Over 2000. It was, yeah, it was over 2000. And I, I called her. And I said, Kara, this can't be right. I mean, there's, is that right? And she's like, well, so that day we set up an appointment with a cardiologist. Um, we didn't go that day, but set it up. Okay. A week later, I saw a cardiologist. They did um, all sorts of tests on me. Everything came out fine. The EKG was perfect. My blood pressure was perfect. And so that cardiologist said, you have two options in my mind. You can either do a stress test. Uh, where, you know, you get on a, on a treadmill and you run your butt off, they get your heart rate to a certain level and then they make you stop immediately and they check, you know, what's going on with the blood through your veins and arteries, or you can do a heart cath, which they actually go in through your arm and shoot dye into your heart. 
I'm making the story way too long. The no, the you're good. You're I, good. <laughs> I saw two cardiologists. I wanted to get a second opinion on it. And at the same time, Kara had a friend that had gone the stress test route and passed. And two months later had a heart attack. Ooh. Now, that person is fine. There was no damage to the heart. Okay. They ended up doing exactly what I had to do with get a heart cath. So I went and set up this heart cath. And what they do, Carp, well, you can see it. I know, although I'm bruising everywhere. Can you see that? Because I'm on blood thinner. Yeah. So I literally pick up uh, like one piece of wood and I bruise now. It's crazy. (laughs) But it's weird. But um, so they go in through this little hole in your wrist and they go up over your shoulder and they shoot dye into your heart and they check all for blockage. So they told Kara when they took me out of the room that if all goes right, he'll be back in here in 30 minutes He's out the door. Well, an hour and a half later, they're wheeling me back to the room. And uh, the doctor, when I kind of came to, they don't knock you out, but they make you goofy as hell. Um, when, when I And you can imagine, I, I'm glad they don't tell me what I said in there because that could be, <laughs> So, um, So the, I wake up to the doctor looking me in the eye and telling me that I had 99% blockage. Oh, my God. In the widow, in the widow maker, which is the one where you fall asleep and you don't wake up. Uh. And then I had 90% blockage in another artery. Now the rest of my arteries were fine. So they ended up doing two stents. They put in two stents. They go through that same. Uh, it's amazing what they can do. They go, go in through your arm. He put two stents in. He told me it's, he's like, Lon, I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to go ahead and keep you overnight in the hospital. And because the, the, we didn't do the procedure till later in the day, yeah. but there's many people that go in at noon and, um, they're out that night, Incredible. They're, they're back home that night. And Carp, I've said this a million times that if you, if they called me tomorrow, although I got my bill and they're not going to call me and tell me it was a joke because <laughs> I'm paying a lot, <laughs> but if they, if they called me today and said, Lon, we were just joking, we actually didn't do anything to you then I'd be like, well, that makes sense. Because I swear to God, two minutes before I went in for the procedure and sitting here right now, I feel exactly the same. It's crazy. It's the weirdest thing in the world. And, you know, people have asked me, did it give you more energy? Well, maybe, maybe a little bit. And you would assume it would because you got more blood flow now. But really, and then this is the last thing, the only sign that would have indicated any problems was last year at this time when I would mow my yard Every once in a while, I would get a little bit of a tightness in my upper chest. Okay. And carp, I would literally push my chest forward and stretch my arms back, and it would go away. So I thought to myself, well, you know, it must just be a, a muscle issue. You know, I'm push mowing my yard. But that happened probably seven to ten times over the summer, and mm-hmm. I never really thought about it. So because of that and because of my bad calcium score, the two cardiologists, and I'm grateful they did, urged me to do this um, this heart cath. So I did it, and there's two stents in my heart now, and I'm on blood thinner. I'm still uh, doing the uh, cholesterol and blood pressure, and now pretty much I try to walk every day. I'm trying to do my best to at least get some exercise in. And But it's amazing. Uh, that lady who I've never met, the widow, saved my life, Man. and, and Kara, Kara did the same because she's the one that forced me to do it. I'll be honest with you. I probably would have heard about this and gotten to it in three years Mm -hmm. and maybe not been here. 
you know, when I did it. Sure. So I'm glad that Kara pushed me and made me go do it. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I feel great. I've never felt bad, which is weird. But yet, um, you know, every once in a while, I don't let myself go there. But every once in a while, you start thinking to yourself, holy crap, you know, like you could have just literally fallen over and died. Mm-hmm. And, and, and with where it was in the blockage of one of them, I don't know that there's anything people could have done. You know, in other words, if I would have, if I would have passed out or, or, or slumped over in the line, football game, I'm not sure they would have even been able to save me because of the uh, blockage. So thank God, you know, and, and I've always said the good Lord has been so kind to me and I don't know why, I don't know. I owe him so much. And, and this is another example. And, you know, it's, it's allowing me now to hopefully live, a long life and, and change my ways a little bit, but hereditary is a big part of that. That's the last thing I want to say. I know that it's all about health and I know you're a model of that and it's about exercise and it's about eating right, but it's also about hereditary. So heredity. So if, if you have it in your family, not you, but well, anybody listening, um, it's not a bad idea to spend that $99 and at least get it checked. And yeah. then you know, you're in good shape, you know, so uh, this was, what it was. <laughs> this was January. Is that right? January or early February? Cause we were down oh. here actually recording. It, it was during an Illinois game when I got the text from you. Yeah. And I think you might've sent to Trevor and, uh, Derek and Jeremy and maybe Harry, I'm not sure, but, uh, me and Isaac and Trevor were down here when I would have gotten that text initially as Illinois had a game. And I forget if you would, you had stayed in the hospital that night as the game was That's on. Right. That's it, right. In fact, was it? It wasn't Rutgers at home, was it? No, Minnesota at home, I, or it wasn't Minnesota because I went to that game. Why can't I remember? Purdue, Illinois won it. It was the game that they should have won comfortably, and they did. I just um, Northwest. No, wasn't Northwestern? No, because that game wasn't comfortable. But yeah, it was. It was. Uh, gosh, That's why am I having a hard time remembering? It was a home game. I do remember that. It was. It was a home game, and I can't remember now who it was. Um, and I'm so embarrassed by this. It, but but Illinois won that game, and and should have won that game. And yeah, I stayed. I told the nurse. I said, "Listen, um, I know you guys come in here a lot, and they're wonderful." You know, I said, "I know you've got to come in here a lot," but I said, "I do a radio show. I kind of need to concentrate on this uh, game." Is there a way that maybe? <laughs> I know I was totally lying up my butt. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, not technically, but so I said, is there a way you guys can just leave me alone for two hours while I watch this game? And, <laughs> I'm good. Hey, don't I worry said, about me. I'm I fine. Said, yeah, I'm good. And you'll be, I said, you'll be able to monitor my heart rate if Illinois is winning or losing. So uh, if I'm comfortable in here, then you'll know Illinois is in good shape. But um, man, for the life of me, I can't think who it was. And I apologize. But anyway. And I don't even remember the date, which is weird. Um, Interesting. It's almost like I want to forget. Yeah, there's know? probably some to that. I I was thinking, too, about how when these sorts of things happen, these uh, close calls almost. And I, we don't know how close of a call it would have been because you could have went on for long, yeah. far longer than that without even knowing. But, you know, on one hand, there's people that will say after experiences like this that they have a new lease on life and a new perspective. And I would say that you probably have aspects of that. But at the same time, you've always been very much of a sort of carpe diem, seize the moment person. So, you know, was it some sort of transformative event or was it more just, uh, okay, well, I'm going to make a list now of I'm going to do A, B, and C and just the rest of it I'm going to keep? Because I it strikes me that your mindset before and after wouldn't have to have changed all that much in terms of appreciating what you already have. 
I think that's the weirdest part, Carp, is that I did not have an uh-oh moment. I didn't have a transformative moment where I said, oh, my gosh, I've got a new lease on life. I'm going to start doing things that I never, you know, had, had thought about doing. Um, I didn't. I honestly didn't have that. And I think you called it. I've always tried to live. I don't know. I've always lived just a fun life. And I think because of that, I figured, well, you know, I'm already doing what I want to do. Yeah, right. So it's not, it's not like I was stopping myself from doing anything that I wanted to do. So that all of a sudden, because of this now, I'm going to say, well, you know what? I'm going to start going to Florida more often, you know, because I always have, or I'm going to start vacationing more, or I'm going to spend time with my kids because as you know, I spend a lot of time with them. And so I, I really, I don't think it, I mean, I think, I guess maybe it says to me that <laughs> it says to me almost that you were living the life that you want to live because you don't really have anything to change except for healthy, you know, sure. getting healthier other than that, you know, I'd go to a Cardinals game. I'd go to an Illini game. I, I'm doing a job that I love with the radio um, and and also the insurance. So it's it's just something that it didn't strike me as, and I totally get it, and maybe it should. Now, there's another thing to this, Carp. If I think, because while I was laying on that uh, hospital um, whatever bed, not a bad, but you know what I mean. Gurney? Um, well, was, not a gurney, yeah, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, whatever they are. <laughs> um, I, guess it is, I guess it is a bed. So while I was laying there and they found the issue, the doctor actually called, the surgeon actually called my cardiologist, and Kara told me this later, that they were going to do a double bypass on me. So they were going to open me up. And I'm going to be frank. I think if that would have happened, I think it would have hit me a lot harder yeah. because I could look, you know, down at my chest and see, you know, not, not only would it have taken me, I mean, hell that day I could have done the radio show, you know, which is weird. Or the next day, at least I could have gone in and done the radio show. I could have gone to work. He wanted me to stay off work for three days and I stayed off for two. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I gotta go. <laughs> and so, <laughs> but you know, if your chest is cut open, and uh, and guess what? Your your butt's not doing anything for a while. Right. I think it, it would have made more of an impact to me, and I think it maybe would have changed my thinking a little bit more. But, uh, man, I'm long-winded today. The point is, I think nothing really hit me like, oh, my God, I'm going to completely do this more because I feel like I do it. You know, I do what I want to do. Um, you know, I see my kids all the time, and – I go to sporting events and concerts and I work hard and I play hard and I spend a lot of money and whatever, you know, but, and nothing's changed. So that's good. Yeah. I was, I, I was talking to my dad about this specifically about concerts, but I think we can kind of roll this into concerts, sporting events, or just hanging out and actually living. Right. And how people would often ask, well, why do you go to <clears throat> so many Dave Matthews band concerts? And I'd given a little explanation why, but as we sit here in the middle of this, I'm like, well, this is why. Because I never knew when it would go away. And I usually that would be a comment I'd make about, well, we don't know how long we're, we have on this earth. In this case, it's, well, we don't know when these things will resume. But I, I, I have had a lot of thoughts recently about how if something similar happened to me, it would be uh, the same thing that you just kind of addressed where there would be some health things I'd maybe have to look at. But, you know, in terms of lifestyle in terms of the things I do, I, what I, I'm going to go to nine day Matthews band concerts instead of just five, you know, and, and 
and in a way, I think I will begin practicing that next summer when it's like, you know what? If there's a concert I kind of want to go to, I'm going to it because I spent a yes. whole year not doing it. And, and I'm thinking that this, you didn't need the pandemic to tell you to go out and do things. But now that you have it kind of immediately after this, the health scare that you had, I mean, you're going to be chomping at the bit when oh. this gets over. It's true, Carp. And, 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 you know, I know I've known so many people in my line of work, not radio, but in my other line of work, I know so many people that have gone their whole life. Now, listen, they're happy, right? They've lived the life that they want to live. It just, from my point of view, they haven't done anything, right? They haven't gone in vacation. They haven't gone to Cardinals games. And you know, then at the end of the day, you know, um, they get older, they got all this money and that's great. And that's wonderful. But to me, I hope that I have money <laughs> one day, right? Remains but to be seen. <laughs> I, yeah, but I want to live life as I go. Yeah. You know, I don't want to get to be age 70 and look back and think, Oh man, why didn't I do that more often? Or why didn't I go to more Cardinals games? Why didn't I go to the beach more often? I mean, I've, I've lived life to a tilt on that accord. And am I constantly paying off stuff? Yeah, but I can, you know, I'm luckily I'm able to do that. And that's why I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going a hundred percent until, you know, this to me was a speed bump and it, and it opened my eyes to, uh, certain things like health and eating. But other than that, I'm going to keep going full tilt and I'm going to enjoy it even more. I turned 50 in October and I want to be on a beach. And the other day I said, I, on the air, I said, you know what, if, uh, if I need to lead law enforcement on a five state chase, <laughs> then by God, I'm going to do it. They can follow me all the way to that beach and arrest me down there after I have a cold butt light on the beach. But <laughs> You know, I'm going to turn 50 and I'm going to look back and say, you know what? Th yeah, sure. There's things that I would have loved to have been able to do. You know, I, I, of course, there's always, I wish I would have gone to the Stanley Cup finals, you know, in St. Louis. But yeah, my yeah, gosh, yeah. you know, $2,000 a ticket. I don't have that. Uh, or I do, I guess, but it'd be hard to, you know, that, that would, you know, I'd have to quit eating bread for a while. So, um, <laughs> or just eat bread, I guess. But the point is, I, you know, I, I just think there's things that, uh, that I want to continue to do. I want to continue to enjoy my life. And while I'm young and can appreciate it, right? And so, I mean, we all want to win $50 million in the lottery the next day and not have to worry anymore about money. But even though it adds a little stress to it, I still want to go full bore and live my life and enjoy everything I can to where when I look back, I don't have any regrets, and I've always felt like I've lived my life like that. Yeah, with money, you can't take it with you. Isn't that an old saying, you can't take it with you? And in addition to that, you mentioned some of the people that you may have seen, and you look at, and you're like, well, okay, they're doing what they want to do, but that's not how I would do it. And the biggest thing that I see, the, the differentiation, I think, between a lot of people, the line is either you spend money more on possessions, or you spend yes. more, money more on experiences, so, for example, you know, Karen and I are looking at getting a house and, hey, the market's going to be great for that for a while. But, Amen. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, and that's great. And certainly we've done enough planning where that's feasible in the next couple of years. But um, on the other hand, that's that's our home and we're going to do the best that we can with it. But the things that I have on my Instagram page or my Facebook page aren't, hey, guys, here's my kitchen. 
It's, hey, look where I went. And, and not in some sort of, you know, braggy sort of way, but it's just like, I do like sharing with people the things that I've done and the places I've gone. And it, it just, uh, I, I don't know if that's maybe what you were kind of leaning towards is you probably know plenty of people, same age, same sort of family situations. And the difference between you and them is that they want to make sure that they get uh, that brand new 2021 Cadillac, whatever something. Exactly. Meanwhile, you drove the same damn truck for however long it was. I mean, <laughs> you rode that thing, and it still operates probably if you need it. Well, you sold it, right? I did. Okay. I sold that yeah. one. Yeah. But you know what? You're exactly right. I, I, I don't go out and buy a brand new truck. I don't have a motorcycle. I don't have a Gator. You know, uh, I don't like heck, anymore. You know, what's the big thing now? Golf carts. Like, I don't have a golf cart. You know, I had one when I used to golf, but I thought, well, a golf cart's supposed to be used on a golf course, right? Why would I drive it around town? Uh, do people do that down there? Oh, my gosh. Really? I see more. Oh, there's more golf carts that go by my house in Philo than there are cars. No kidding. Oh, it's. <laughs> I think, I bet 90% of the people in Philo own a golf cart. What's and the demo of, of people? I mean, is it not to you know, generalize here, but older people or, I mean, it doesn't matter what age people are driving golf carts. It's in? a pretty good, uh, Philo is a pretty good mix. Okay. And yeah. you mean, uh, are, are you talking about the people that have them? The people that have go-karts or go-karts, golf carts, do they tend to be like retirees or it doesn't really, like it's widespread? It's widespread. Hmm. Like you'll see families of four that have them <laughs> and uh, they'll be zipping by and then you'll see a retired couple drive by. I mean, it's just, everybody has that. Well, I, you know, instead of spending $4,000 on a golf cart, I'd rather go to Florida three times a year. Right. You know, I mean, so you're right. You, you nailed it with what you just said. You know, I, I don't have this expensive bass boat, even though I love to go fishing, you know, I'll just fish off the, off the uh, shore Mm -hmm. Um, instead of, instead of uh, loading in the, uh, you know, in the mill Creek, this $25,000 bass boat that I bought, you know, I just, I've always been one that I don't, I live in a house that is so normal and it's like, I, it doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm never here. Well, yeah. now I am by the way, but, um, but you know, it's just one of those where possessions, you, you nailed it. I want my Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, your life essentially to look back and say, oh my gosh, you were in Grand Cayman that day, and then you were down in Florida this day, and you were at that Illini game that day. Oh, and you went to the Cardinals game that day? Oh, you went to Ballpark Village and watched the Blues play game five in Boston? Um, you know, that night was a $300 night. I mean, that'd be a nice down payment, you know, on a uh, on a golf cart. Sure. But, you know, it's, it's things like that, Carp. I'm 100% with you that at the end of the day, I'd rather use my – resources on memories and you said it and that doesn't mean the next person that uses their resources on a bass boat or a motorcycle or a golf cart doesn't create memories because of that as well yeah so i don't i don't look at them any different i think it's wonderful they do that it's just that i think guys like you and i have a different look at uh at at what we enjoy and and that's going and, and and take you know three hours at a time at a concert or three hours at a baseball game or whatever and that's what we love. And I think that's awesome. It is a sports podcast, so I guess I will ask you a few things about sports. 
we, now, well, we really didn't even come close <laughs> to sports. <that> <laughs> I mean, we, we, we were touching it a little bit with the whole experiences of going to games. And I know that you went to some Illini basketball games this year. Now, first thing would be, did you go, were you at the Iowa game? I was not. Okay. I had a chance, but here's the deal, Carp. I was able, and I'll make this quick. Uh, you know, I coached that eighth grade team this year, and we did really well. And three of my kids were asked to play in an all-state junior high classic that they started mm, a few okay. years ago in Lincoln. And so they must have run out of coaches. So they emailed me and said, hey, would you want to coach a team? And I'm like, I would love to do that. So Sweet. that weekend, I was over in Lincoln coaching just a bunch of stud eighth grade basketball players. And I had so much fun. I had two, six, four kids on my team, wow. six, four kids in eighth grade and they were teammates and they won. It's that Rockridge, uh, Rockridge school up okay. North. They won the state, uh, in their, in their division. And why wouldn't you with two, six, four kids, but that, so that weekend, the Iowa game was at like what? Six o'clock on, on a Sunday. Sunday. Mm-hmm. So we had to play games that day, and technically, I did not get back into Champaign until about probably 6.30. So I was able to hear a lot of the pregame and start listening to the game. And then, you know me, I shut it off so I can watch it live, you know, when I got home or at least watch it. So, But no, I didn't have a chance to go to it. I was going to go, but I did go to the Indiana game that preceded it. And uh, Andrew and I were at that game, and wow, what a game that was. Yeah, and I'm thinking, too, that if I look at this season and the experiences at State Farm Center, for me, it was cathartic. I've used that word already a few times, but it was cathartic, that Iowa game in particular, because that was my we're back moment. This is what it felt like. This is what it should feel like. And we got little teasers of that for the Michigan State and Maryland game, even though the you know, end results were not what we wanted, but the Indiana game would have been another case study in that where you had probably been to a few games throughout the year. You go to the Indiana game on, I guess that would have been March 1st, super exciting game. You beat a rival at home. You stay on the right side. Well, you basically punch your ticket to the tournament at that point. And, and it felt like that stadium, just if you charted over the course of the year, and I only went to three games, Maryland, Michigan state, and Iowa, that each and six, every successive time I went in there, it was the beast was awakening a little bit more. You know, and that Iowa game was just this pent up energy that I haven't oh. felt since, to be honest, no hyperbole. John Gross, there were a couple of fun home games, but this is like mid 2000s level craziness in there. And that, it felt so good. It just felt like, you know, these fans, it doesn't take them much to get no. right back into the fold and where they were, you know, 15 years ago. I, I, everybody's fan base is great, Carp, but I would agree. Illinois fan base, man, you said it. We don't need much to get fired up and to become crazy. And you're right. I mean, those games, I mean, you know, you unfortunately you saw a Maryland and Michigan State game that they lost, but you were able to see that Iowa game. And, you know, you went toe-to-toe with what could be, well, what's a team that's projected to be, what, ranked in the top five this coming year? If Garza, yeah. yeah. I agree with you. I mean, this past year was kind of like the Phoenix rising, correct? Mm-hmm. And then hopefully we see this as a way because you and I have both lived through the great times and then, oh, you know, down in the depths. And now all of a sudden, hopefully we're getting back to where we can do another decade of great times. That'd be incredible. I'm thinking incredible. I'm thinking about the season two and as I was kind of writing the postscript on it and it was without a tournament appearance and you know it is what it is even though and we all know this was a tournament team so the streak is over yeah. okay the streak is over we're moving on but I think the good thing is there's a, a sustainable 
model that Underwood and the staff has that if you would have told me the same thing back on December, I want to say 21st, Missouri game. This was a tale of really two seasons where you look at the non-conference and yes, there was the win against Michigan at home in December. Other than that, November and December were rough. January 2nd at Michigan State, that was rough. And then really the Purdue game at home and everything after that. Two different teams, two different seasons. And that still puzzles me if I think about it, how frustrated I was for two months. And it doesn't negate how bad they looked. But some switch flipped and I'm thinking, okay, who do I credit this to? Is it as simple as saying, well, Io just flipped the switch on? Is it as uh, simple as saying that Brad Underwood finally found whatever made this team tick? I just don't, I can't recall a team that made that much of a 180 at the midway point of the season. That's, that's a great point, Carp. And, and after what we had been coming off of for the, our first of all, 12 win season the, the year before. Right. And a decade of low. So it's, it was easy to, after that Miami game and after the Missouri game, it was easy to just, oh, woe was me. I'm, you know, here I am. I'm, uh, you know, whatever space is off Winnie the Pooh. Uh, you know, it's like, Eeyore. here we go, Eeyore, yeah. Eeyore, yeah. Uh, it's like, well, we're going to be bad again. You know, and here we go. We've got another winter of, of average to below average basketball. Yeah. And, and it's so frustrating. And then all of a sudden you said it, and I agree with you. What the heck happened to where all of a sudden they could not, you know, that they go to Wisconsin and win. It's like, what? And so, you know, you started thinking to yourself, well, hold on. Something is happening here, and something is clicked with this team. And I think instead of trying to figure out exactly what it was, I think you give credit across the board. Yeah. I think Brad, Brad Underwood was not bullheaded enough to know that he needed to change some of his system. I think Stephen Gentry was a big voice in his ear to change that. I think Io, you know, started to play up to what we thought Io could be. Kofi, you know, you see the advantage to having just a big guy inside and what he could do. Uh, I, I think this team just—I give credit to everybody. Everybody decided, you know, they had to look themselves in the mirror after that Miami and Missouri debacle and say, "How good do you want to be?" Because we think you could be really good, and I think they said, "We know we can be good, and we're going to go show it," and they did, and. And then it turned into how, you know, like you said, a complete 180 and the rest of the year was just so fun. And damn, I wanted them to get to the NCAA tournament. I I wanted this team to see, you know, because it was the kind of team that I think easily could have just outwilled a couple of teams to get to the Sweet 16. And then anything from there would have been gravy. Yeah, I agree with that, especially the way that this season, you look at the Valley there with the losses at home to in the Big Ten season, the Maryland and the Michigan State losses at home. Io gets injured in the Michigan State game. <clears throat> you lose that game against Rutgers. And then I think there was the five-game – was it a five-game losing streak or just three? Um, no, it wouldn't have been – they finished with seven losses in conference, right? So there would have been a five-game losing streak or four. So. And uh, because the other losses would have been at Maryland, it would have been at Michigan State, Michigan State-Maryland, so twice to both of those, at Rutgers, at Ohio State – at Iowa at Iowa there we go that was it because the Iowa game at Iowa was right before the Michigan State Maryland home swing but you know and it's funny too because it's not as if they started doing one thing better for example they didn't start shooting better because they never figured out how to shoot and yet they still won (laughs) but I I am thinking about in this in the season we talk about moments 
you know, how we want to experience those things. And what this team did better than any Illini team, at least in recent memory, but you'd have to go back a long ways, would be those individual moments that we are always yes. going to remember. So if I were to task you with the signature moment for this team, and I'll give you three options. It would be the Wisconsin win and Io hitting the three to go up four. It would be, of course, Io shot at Michigan. And it would also be Io's game winner at Penn State, which in a lot of ways we forget about that. We do. Isn't that weird? I mean, you beat a top 10 team on the road after a four-game losing streak. So out of those three, what is the one that you think crystallizes what this team accomplished and the one you're going to take with you? I'm certainly not minimizing the win against Penn State, but in a way, it's Penn State. Right. Does that make sense? I I totally feel that, yeah. Yeah, there's always a little bit of that. It's 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 like when we beat Minnesota and they're supposed to be good. I'm like, eh, it's Minnesota, yeah. you know. Um, and then I'm not minimizing either the win at Michigan and that shot that that Kofi made um, because I think that was huge. But to me, I think this team believed a hundred percent, and fans like us believed a hundred percent when they won in Madison because you know that has been a house of horrors. We don't have to go back through the uh, the decade to figure that out to the point where I didn't even watch games there. Did you watch and this year? I did. Okay. I totally did. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. What, I don't know if I felt something like something weird was maybe going to happen. I don't know, which I don't know why it would. And by the way, Wisconsin returns everybody, but for Evan Pritzel, of course, uh, it's, back, it's so obnoxious. Course. I can't stand it. It's, it's I can't stand it. I'm we really, to, can we just do a, you, you use the word cathartic. Can we do an hour-long podcast one time on just hating Wisconsin? I'm fine with that. I went up there for a football game. Yes. This would have been two years ago. Well, it would have been 2018, yeah, so about two years ago. And a great experience. It's a beautiful city. There's nothing wrong with Wisconsin or the campus no. or the people. The people are fine. But they're having so much fun. And me and my friend Andrew looked at each other and it's like, this is such crap. They're having fun. We're miserable. This isn't cool. This isn't cute anymore. And that Wisconsin game, you mentioned that, how, you know, as I'm watching that second half and it's six, seven point Wisconsin lead, basically throughout. But I'm like, well, it's not 15 and it's not 12. This is weird. We aren't playing great, but we're hanging, you know, so it all takes is one run. Sure enough, you get that run late in the game. Uh, But, what Wisconsin also did for me is they brought back the hatred of Indiana because that last weekend of the season, that Saturday, when Indiana couldn't just finish out the stupid game and keep Wisconsin nope. from getting a share of the title. And uh, I look at Archie Miller, and I can make fun of Greg Gard, and there's other coaches in the Big Ten that annoy me, but um, I'm thinking Archie Miller at Indiana and and uh, why, uh, Fran McCaffrey at Iowa. Those are the 1A and 1B for just annoying get the juices flowing with the rivalry again. I, I don't like those guys. I just don't like them. I, I don't either. And it, isn't it great to be able to be good enough now that where we can worry about a rivalry. It's great. For a, a few years, Carb, you know, we would, as Illinois fans, get fired up for Michigan State, you know, because we can remember a decade when we had plenty of success against Michigan State. But in the last decade, let's be honest, teams looked at us like we looked at Rutgers for a long time or how I look at Minnesota. Right. People looked at Illinois like, oh, whatever. I mean, it's, it's Illinois. We're going to beat them. And that's weird because that should not be that way. And all of a sudden now you're starting to get that flipped. And I, I totally agree with you. It's funny. Back to the Wisconsin thing real quick. This is how much I can't stand that. Like one of the worst losses that I ever covered 
was Bill Self's team that lost to Kansas in the Sweet 16 there with Sean Harrington, yeah. Corey Bradford, Demir, Frank. And that even that was at the Cole Center. And I'm like, you know, even when you're not involved, <laughs> Wisconsin, you're still pissing me off. Yeah, right. And, and you know, it, it, I, I'll never forget, and I've said this, you've heard me say the story, but after that game, Mark Tupper, Lauren Tate, and I were talking to Bill Self. It was one of those off-the-record moments. He had All the media stuff was done. He came out. He was sweating still. His tie was unloosed or loosened. Uh, he had no jacket on, and he was leaning against a wall, and the four of us were visiting. And I don't know if it was Tufts. One of them said something like, boy, Bill, that one's going to hurt. And he looked at he looked at us, and he's like, that's, that's probably the worst loss I've ever had. Because he goes, they will absolutely annihilate Oregon and be in the they final They did. Board. They did, and, he, and he, he used a cuss word, but he said that that is that game would have gotten us to the final four. And then he used a cuss word. Andrew Tay, by the way, is walking in here in a second. Um, <laughs> and so, just in case anybody, I'm doing a podcast with Carp. You're fine. You can come in. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so um, but I'll never forget the look on Bill Stell's face. Now, of course, he's going on to great things and he's gone on to plenty of final fours and a national title, but you could tell Carp that was a coach on the cusp of the greatest thing he had ever done. And they look to lose that game to Kansas. And then to watch Kansas just absolutely drill Oregon, uh, a, a, not a very good Oregon team and no. get to the final four. It was sickening. And that was the end. It was, yeah, well, it was the end of an era for that group of Illini guys. I mean, Brian Cook yeah. and Sean Harrington came back the next year, but that was the, the senior year essentially for Frank, Demir, Lucas, Corey, and Arch. Yeah. And I might be and forgetting one too, it. but, you know, and, and I remember watching that game. It was one of the more frustrating games because it was just ugly throughout. And yet you it were was. right in it with a great <laughs> Kansas team, a loaded Kansas team that you had beaten the year before. And I know Frank was rough. You know, that was one of his worst performances. But at the same time, knowing that, yeah, if you just beat these guys, Oregon's not anything to really worry about. No. Um, no. Now, we'll end the podcast on uh, Illinois football. Um, <laughs> because it, I got to be honest with this whole, man, is there going to be college football? And, you know, I'll get texts from Isaac, Isaac Ambrose, and he loves college football. And he's like, man, I hope it happens. It'd be real. It would really suck if it did. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it would. I mean, it would suck. And, but I just don't have it in me right now because I think that the way last year ended, and this may be very short sighted on my part, the way that not the Iowa game, that was fine, but the Northwestern and the bowl game ended and then the lack of recruiting coupled with that. And I know they're starting to get some four-year guys. That's good. That is good. Right. Uh, but they got to get a bunch of them. So that's a long-winded way of saying, Juan, talk about Illinois football. Because I need I need people to get me out of this, uh, the doldrum, so to speak, of not really feeling it. I'm going to get you out of it. Oh. Because I'm, I'm bullish on this team. Hmm. I'm, I, to me... You know, I always used to joke about the uh, the game on the Price is Right, the yodeler that's making his way up the peak. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I feel like knowing this program, right? So I'm not comparing this to a, a, a program like Wisconsin that could buy for a national title. Yeah, knowing this program, the yodeler is at the top of the peak, and and it scares the living hell out of me of what he's going to find when he gets to the other side which would be next year. Uh, okay, I, don't I mean agree with this, that. I don't mean this season, but I mean the season after, when you don't have any offensive linemen back. Because Kendra Green 
is your one, you know, that, uh, you know, well, junior, that's going to probably go pro. Mm -hmm. You're going to have it probably next year where you don't have any of your offensive line or maybe one back. Your quarterback's gone and Brandon Peters, um, you know, Bebe is gone. Um, and then, you know, you, I just, I look at this and I'm like, oh my gosh. So we unfortunately are looking for stability. Maybe it'll happen. I don't see it. Maybe it'll happen. But I feel like this year's team, Carp, has the chance. I'm calling eight wins. I'm wow. bullish on eight wins. I think this team goes out. They've got, you know, think of the experiences that they had last year in close games. You know, they kind of flipped the switch. Like we talked about how basketball flipped the switch. You know, in the second half of that Michigan game at home, Illinois football kind of flipped the switch a little bit. They didn't win the game. But in a way, they competed, right? And you're like, well, hold on. That's, that was a fairly decent performance. And then all of a sudden, you know, you beat Wisconsin. You, you, you beat Michigan State on the road. And you start picking up these wins. I feel like these guys in a small way, Carp, learned how to win last year. And I think that's always been a problem with this program is the expectation and knowing how to win. I feel like last year they took that step. They kind of passed that threshold of learning how to win. And I think, I really, really, really think that this year's team is going to come out with, you know, don't forget Luke Ford, who's going to help this team with he and Daniel Barker. I mean, those are two really quality uh, tight ends. Plus, you know, you've got a if Trayvon Sidney's back and healthy and if Ricky Smalling hopefully can have a magical senior year and Bebe's back and and if Mike Epstein could stay healthy and uh, I know Jeremy's high on this Chase Brown, this running back that could help mm -hmm. you. I just really think, and I know defensively that run, you know, that defensive line scares the you-know-what out of me, but I really think that this team with the schedule presented has a chance to have an electrical year. Unfortunately for Illinois fans, we know what it's like to dive straight back down, right? We're we're like the 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 pilot in those funny trick um, you know shows they do for audiences where the plane goes as high as it can and then they kill the engine. Yeah, and it's like, oh wait, here we come. Let's hope it restarts again. But I do think that this is the peak, and I, I for Lovey, and I think this year it could be a really fun year. And so I, I hope you, I hope you get on board with it. Okay, well, yeah, and I think what I'm allowing to happen is my uncertainty long term is painting my picture for this team, which may not be fair for this roster for me to do that. I agree. And, and, and you have every right to be, and like I said, uh, I, I'm the, I'm the yodeler guy at the very top, right? He's finally yodeled his way <laughs> to the very top of this mountain. And then, uh, and we're going to have a little fun while he does it, but then what's on the other side. And I totally get that. But I think for me, I just want to experience I mean, I've experienced good seasons. Don't get me wrong. You know, we've had fun in 01 and, and 07 and, and others, 2011. But I want one more. I want another one, not just one more. I want another one of those years, and I think we're going to get it this year. So, And then I guess then I'll worry about what happens next. Yeah. And, and that leads me to my final question about that would be, okay, what is best-case scenario for Illinois football? Because there was something that Breitweiser had said at the start of the relaunch of the 200 level that I've been thinking about kind of intermittently throughout that this is a baton pass off while yes. gets the program to a certain point and if he goes eight and four this year certainly he would have done that but at the same time you know while i would say it would be ideal for him to go eight and four this year and say you know what i'm retiring on a high note and then with the facilities and an eight and four season you can go out and get a pretty decent coach regardless of how bare the cupboard's going to be 
I'm still thinking the best case scenario for the long-term future of this program, it doesn't have Lovey there for that much longer, regardless of what they do this season. And that might be unfair because it's basically saying you're fired before he even coaches this year and gets to recruit off of that success. But it, it the recruiting or lack thereof with high school guys is so troublesome that I'm thinking, yeah. okay, win the games and then let's go get our coachy college coach, our PJ Fleck. Yep. Which too bad we didn't get him, right? Because that he's good. He's doing some things. You've heard me say this, Carp, and I think I said it on our show, or I or the Tay and Jay show when you were there. I remember saying I have always felt like the next hire that Josh Whitman makes at football is going to be his biggest hire because I feel like Lovey's going to be the guy that gets you to that point where you've built some depth, you've built a little bit of stability. Now you need to go get the guy that's going to take you to the next level and keep you there. And you're right. Maybe that's not fair to Lovey, but I'm going to be frank with you. I've always thought this. I think Lovey would love getting a really good season this year. Maybe play out the contract. I think he's good. I think he's good. I don't think he's going to be a guy that coaches, you know, he's not Frank Beamer or, you know, Dennis Erickson or some of these guys that coach until they're 80 or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think Lovey's going to say, Hey, you know what? I came here. He made a hell of a lot of money and I'm going to sail off in the sunset to my home in Tampa and enjoy the, uh, the rest of my life. I, I don't think he's a guy that's going to want to just stay here. Now I could be totally wrong. When you talk to guys like Kent Brown and such, they talk about the passion he has and the, the will to win. And we just don't see that because he absolutely displays zero of that to the common public. Yeah. Um, or to the media, right? I mean, that's always been my issue with Lovey is, that, hey, come on the show every once in a while. Say hi. You know, nobody knows you, Lovey. Say hi. But um, but I do, I honestly, and I'm, I'm, you can tell I'm passionate about it, I really think that Lovey is a guy that's going to play out his, his, you know, six, seven years, and then he's going to walk off into the – I don't think it's going to be any kind of an issue. I think he'll go to Josh or Josh will go to him, and they'll say, okay, you kind of got us where we needed to be, maybe not as good as we hoped, but you're close. Now we're going to, like you said, we're going to go get the college guy and, and he's going to come in here and now take this program and hopefully build it to where it's a six, seven, eight win season every year. I think not every year, but you know, yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I think that your prediction and you made it a few years back. I think, I think it was Tan show was that it would be the next hire. It would be the next yes. one. And I think that's That'll becoming be the biggest hire. Yeah, that's becoming increasingly clear. Good thing for uh, Josh Whitman that Brad Underwood seems to have figured it out. He got the 13th best class in the nation. I, I, I'm i really high on that, and I was not four months ago, or I should say back you know, late December or after bragging rights, I said, where the hell is this going? They seem to have figured it out, and I cannot wait. I have more hopes on this Andre Curbelo kid. And keep in mind, I called Mark Smith the next D Brown. I did. But there's audio. But I... <laughs> I really do think that this Crabello kid, this is finally we get our Cassius Winston, right? Or for that matter, we get our D Brown. I mean, we get the four-year undersized point guard that's just a stud, and that makes everything tick. I'm on radio on record as saying that I think this could be one of the top three best recruits Illinois has ever had. Hmm. Now, isn't that weird? I don't. I, I mean, I mean in the sense that he's going to stay here for four years, and like you said, be like a Cassius and get Illinois to where they're buying by his sophomore, junior, senior year, maybe this year if Iowa and Kofi come back, that Illinois is buying for a Big Ten title every year, and now it makes winning so much easier. Because, A, you know how to do it. 
and B, the recruits want to come and do it. And so I think a kid like Andre Corbello, because of the fact I love point guards, number one, but because of the fact I think he'll be here four years, I think he will make everybody around him better. And, you know, I'm not saying he's a pro guy. So in terms of that, you have to kind of understand what I'm saying, not you, but everybody. I just think he could ultimately, the impact he could have on this program ultimately could put him as one of the top five recruits Illinois in the modern era has ever had. Yeah. If everything goes right uh, with Andre Corbello in this program, with him being here four years, unless there's injury, unless, you know, whatever, I think he could be that impactful in four years. And I guess we'll look back in five years and, and answer our own question. But I really do think he could be that impactful to where he, you look back when I'm 70 and I look back and say, well, I'll tell you who was a huge recruit, Andre Corbello. Well, he didn't play in the uh, NBA, Dad, or Grandpa. Yeah, I know. But he stayed here four years, and he got this Illinois program back to where they were winning Big Ten titles. And to me, yeah, I want to win national titles, and Illinois can. We've seen that to the point where they've been on the edge. But to me, if you get us back to where we're winning Big Ten titles, Carp, and I know you're the same as mm -hmm. me, Yep. all is good in, in Lante land. Yep. And if they're winning a Big Ten title, then I know they've got a chance of getting to a Final Four. All I need is a good baseball team, Yankees, and a good Illini basketball team, and everything else can fall in place. The Bears can suck. Illinois football can suck. As long as I got – and really, if you think about it, as a Cardinals fan, you would agree, that covers the whole year. You got spring, into the fall, taken care of with the Cardinals, and then you got November through March for Illinois basketball. Covered. 12 months. So, so well said, Garb. And then you splash in an occasional blues win a Stanley Cup? <laughs> yes! <laughs> well, I'm good to go as a fan. It was good catching up. The cool thing about, you know, I, I had a necessity. I had to rig this thing for interviews. And Corey Bradford, Corey, was the first one that I had. Um, and it's just been fun catching up with people. Yeah, so I we, it. I loved it. so we will uh, do this again. My hope is that the next time we do this, it can almost be like an MLB preview, you know, cause the, the whole thing that they're talking about, the proposal going around is the July 1st start and the mid June get back for spring training. I don't care if there's not a single fan in the stand. I'm watching those baseball games. I would be over the moon and I think they could do it. I think they could. I'm holding out hope. I agree. Carp, I always, I, I'm always amazed by how well you and I just sit down and just, it's like we haven't, it's like we see each other every day. Yeah. And I appreciate you having me on. Uh, and, and I appreciate you letting me uh, expand a little bit about my health scare and hopefully, you know, a few people will still maybe hear it for the first time and, and go get checked. Cause I think that's so important. So absolutely, it's great to see you. Tell yeah, man. Hi. And, uh, and, and, and let's, let's keep moving on and, and we'll get through this. I don't know when I used to say, ah, before you know it, well, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But we'll I know. get through it. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I'll keep sipping a beer when I can and we'll just have some fun with it and, and enjoy life. And anytime you want me on carp, I'm awesome. happy to do it, man. I loved it. I appreciate it. Say hi to your care. Say hi to Andrew since he's in the house now. And, uh, hey, and Lucas is coming home Sunday. Excellent. I was going to ask about when he was going to be heading back. He's going to come back for, I think, two weeks, and then he's flying back out to Tempe. Um, I did tell him, by the way, real quick, I said, you know, if they go to online schooling next year, you could stay at home through Christmas and save a lot of money. And he's like, no, really? <laughs> he's not going to sign up for that. I'd do the same thing. I'd yep. get the hell out of here. All right. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be fun. But I'll tell everybody, hi, Carpenter. It's great to see you, buddy. Great to see you, too, man. We'll take care, all right? All right.
All right, that was Lante, and I think I, it hit me as we finished the, up this episode. It's about an hour and 10 minutes into it. Lante's Hour of Power, that's the name of episode 85. So great to catch up with him. Hope he enjoyed it. And you know, I, I had, like I mentioned at the beginning of that interview, texted with him, but had not actually, it, it struck me when we started this conversation, had not talked to him over the phone or interview or anything like that about his health scare until today. So if you are a listener on 93.5, you would have already gotten that story, but it bore repeating. And I think he does a very good job of just kind of taking us through that process because, I mean, what a year, 2020 for Lon. But as you heard there, he's still Lon. It doesn't matter that he had this operation done and that he had this health scare and that immediately following that has to live in a pandemic situation. He's just living life, man. And that's that's what Lante does. And that's why it is so much fun to catch up with him. So much fun when we were on the air together. But like he said, too. You can go an extended period of time and the kind of relationship that we built over essentially a decade, I think that still comes through when we do meet up. So we'll get Lon back on. And like I said, hopefully that's after we get official news, the baseball's coming back and we can talk Cardinals and Yankees and just, oh God, warmer weather, baseball in front of no fans. I don't care. I would just be over the moon for that. Okay. So let's end the week on that note. Always great to have Lon. We'll get him on again next week. Another last dance recap on Monday, a show next Thursday or Friday. Friday, and we'll try to get another guest on the horn as well. The two per week thing is the sort of template that we'll go with for the time being. Got to remind you that DP Doe, you can order online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's dpdoe.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for all your insurance needs, and also they're all local products. So if you're a Champaign-Urbana or East Central Illinois resident, they have your local interest at heart. That is brianismyguy.com and 4th and Kirby online at at fourthandkirby.com. Buy two t-shirts, get one free, and you have coupon code 200 level or the 200 level for 10% off. Also got to thank Alana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network for their partnership in the relaunch of the 200 level. Episode 85 will be at 100 before you know it. We'll have to have a big old bash for that whenever that happens. Probably in July, June, July. It's coming up, so we'll, we'll get there sooner than you think with two episodes a week. In the meantime, take care, stay home, stay safe, and... We will get through this together. That's what all the car companies are telling me on the TV. Every single one, Honda, Ford, Chevy, we're all in this together. As trite as that sounds, if you're a listener of this podcast, I really do wish you the best and hope that you all stay safe. And I cannot wait for that time, hopefully within the next month, where we can meet in a group of four or five, whether it be with my parents on their patio or a couple friends on our porch have a drink and just talk about what a crazy situation this has all been. It's that human to human contact that I look forward to the most. So in the meantime, we'll see you next Monday and the next Thursday and Friday. Have a good weekend. And until next time, it is the 200 level.